Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. So it's a joy and honor to stand before you this morning and continue our journey together. Um, you guys may know or may not know, but there's about 8 billion people in the world today. And it's safe to say that with that many people, that there may arise a conflict or two between us. I think it's even safe to say that amongst this small group of people this morning and those of you sitting on your couches at home, we may not all agree on everything and we even love each other. Uh, so I'm going to see if I can't stir the pot amongst ourselves this morning uh, against each other and uh, see how we do and uh, how much we can agree on. Uh, I have a Samsung phone and part of the Android world. Is anybody a Android person versus... Yeah, raise your hand. Go ahead. Awesome. All right, where's my iPhone people? There you go. What about Ford people? Any Ford fans? Okay, got Joel and Nelson's thumbs down. Chevy? Chevy? Nope, Nelson's still thumbs down. Um, how about Zaxby's? Any Zaxby's people? Okay. Chick-fil-A? Oh, yeah, the whole room, pretty much. We know that's God's food. Um, um, let's see. How about the Lakers? Any Lakers fans? Celtics fans? No, nope, none of those. Um, Uber, Lyft, okay, got one of those. How about any NASCAR fan, Dale Earnhardt? Anybody Dale Earnhardt fan? No, Jeff Gordon, <laughs> Jeff Gordon, there we go. Um, any Florida fans? Any Gators? Tennessee Vols? There we go, got some Vols. Um, maybe this one for you guys um maybe you had it before you came here any duncan any duncan donuts fans coffee okay starbucks man no starbucks fans wow i'm surprised i have neither because i don't drink coffee so i don't have a say in the matter but uh as you can see uh there's a lot of differences uh between us and uh this morning we're going to look and see how do we reconcile and how do we work through our differences to become together as one through Christ. So if you're uh, new this morning or new watching online, we have been doing a series called Rock Solid Faith, studying Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to continue that this morning. Week 1, Joel Owen preached from uh, verses 1 through 3 on how we are dead in our sins and we are spiritually apart from Christ. We're alienated. Uh, sin has caused us to miss the mark with God. And his rock-solid faith takeaway was we have to know what we are saved from in order to know why God has saved us. Last week, Cole Maupin was up here and preached from Ephesians 4 through 10, and he preached on justification. This is that we have been justified through Christ to God. Jesus has now brought us in a right-standing relationship with God because of his work on the cross. Um, Jesus has taken us from that spiritually dead state we saw in week one where we were alienated and has made us alive now together with Christ. And Cole's rock-solid faith takeaway was, we must know our salvation comes by grace through faith in Christ 
And we know that true faith in Christ causes life change, which should be visible to the world. This week, if you guys will turn with me, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 18. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to pray before I read the passage to you this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning, God. I thank you for this opportunity to proclaim your word to your people, God. Uh, I pray that you speak through me this morning and boldly proclaim the truths of this word. Uh, Lord, I pray that our ears are very in tune and attentive this morning to listen to your words, the words that change lives uh, forever, God. Thank you for this book. Thank you for this church, God. Um, I thank you for these people, Lord. Let us dive in this together and see what you've placed on our hearts this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So verse 11, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and stranger to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you once were far off, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commands expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility and he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So as you can see, the very first word in verse 11 is therefore. This word is there to tell us that Paul, when he's writing this, is saying, so because of what's taken place before, because we're alienated from God and we were separated, then we were justified through Christ. Now he's reconciled us, and this is our next step of faith. And this is what we can build on is here's the next point. You also may have seen the words uncircumcised and circumcised. And that can just commonly be known as Jews and Gentiles. The Jews were known as the uncircumcised and the, um, sorry, the Gentiles were known as the uncircumcised and the Jews were known as the circumcised. Um, and I want to take a look and see because they didn't get along very well. The Jews thought that they were kind of better than the Gentiles, and so we'll look at Genesis and see kind of where the Jews got their start. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and, in, and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God took Abraham and called him away from his kindred and his family and set him apart to be a new group of people, which is known as the Jews. And God gave the Jews different commands and a set of laws that would keep them separate and apart. He also gave them a covenant of circumcision, which was, as Paul says here to the Gentiles, to the Ephesians, that it was an outward mark. So... The Jews were proud of this outward mark. However, still they needed inward change. And Paul's trying to say, outwardly, we may look differently. We might have different facial features. We might talk differently. 
We might have different skin color, but inwardly, inwardly, we are the same. God has created us all as humans. We are all created with the same equal worth and value to Him. And so Paul's trying to make this clear uh, distinction for the Ephesians here. Um, but because of this, we'll see Paul also reminds them how they did not have the promises. If you look at verse 12, remember that you at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. So the Gentiles were excluded from the citizenship that Israel had. They had no right to the benefits of a relational connection with God. They were without God's law. They were without His governing. Basically, they're in a spiritual free-for-all. We kind of see that today as live how you want to, do whatever pleases you, as long as you're happy. That's all that matters. Um, they did not have any protection. They had no hope, nowhere to turn. They had gods, uh, like many people have today, but those gods couldn't provide them something to grasp for the future. They also couldn't protect them over many of the things that this world comes and um, tries to uh, tear us down. So they were completely away from God. They were not waiting for Jesus to come and establish His kingdom. They were as far from God as that possibly could be. And I've got news. You and I are Gentiles. We are not Jews. So that's the bad news for us this morning is so far we are away from God. We are lawless. We are hopeless. We are without direction, without protection, and hopeless. So hopefully, I'm glad we're not stopping here this morning and we're going to continue reading. And see, so the first word in 13 is but. And this but is huge. I don't know if you remember from last week, but Cole Maupin said, when you see but in Scripture, it completely changes everything. You're going one direction, and this is changing it completely to a different one. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You and I have been brought near. Because of Jesus' death for us, we have been brought near. No longer are we without hope. Are we without direction or vision? We are no longer without a promise. God has brought us in through His Son. We have complete access to the, right of, to the rights of heaven. We are part of His family. How amazing is that this morning? That we were dead and now Christ has reconciled us to the Father. And we have all the benefits or rights that God gives the Jews and gives His people. Because we are now part of the family. So I want to start our first rock-solid faith tip this morning with we can have rock-solid faith because Jesus has reconciled us to God as well as reconciled us to one another. You are now a part of heaven's family. And as you guys know from your own probably personal family experiences, we don't always tend to get along together. Um, and sometimes we have disagreements. And we can trace this all the way back to Adam and Eve's sin for us. We were in unity and harmony together with Christ until sin entered the world. That broke our harmony. I thought of it this way. If, I don't know if any of you guys have ever been to a symphony or seen one performed. It, what beautiful noise it makes when all the people in the chairs follow the conductor and they work together and are on track. However, if one or two or three or four get off track and play to their own tune and play their own, own beat, it disrupts the harmony and the tune gets off and everyone else kind of gets off as well. Um, but God 
Jesus has brought us back. We're now back in with the conductor, not playing to our own beats, but he's given us um, a way back to listen. And together we get to make this joyous noise together um, through Christ. So just what a lovely picture this is that um, Jesus has given us and brought us near. Let's look at verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. The text says Jesus is our peace. In Greek, peace means arene, and arene means state of harmony. So this idea that we are being in a state of harmony with God as well as a state of harmony with brothers and sisters in Christ. No matter how we look or how we might act or talk, God is wanting us to have peace with one another. He's restored this peace and restored relationships for each other and to God. There's no longer a dividing wall of hostility between us or hate. There at this time uh, in the temple would have been a great picture for any Gentile or any Ephesians um, when they would go to worship God in Jerusalem. Uh, Herod had helped build onto the temple and it was a marvelous structure as you can see over here. And uh, those walls on the outside were about 15 feet tall. It was um, filled with people, especially around Passover and holidays. Um, but in the middle, you can see where the Holy of Holies would be, where only the high priest was let in. And then shortly outside of that was some of the priests, and then some of the Jewish men could come and worship God. And then outside of that, you should see on there the court of the Gentile, or of the Jewish ladies. Um, they were about 50 yards or so um, from the center, and then about 200 yards or so, you can see a wall down there. Uh, and that was where the Gentiles had to stop. They couldn't get any closer to the temple, any closer to God right there. Um, and there's a sign on the wall that said, No man of another nation to enter within the wall and the enclosure around the temple. And whoever is caught will have himself to blame that his death ensues. So the Gentiles, if they crossed over that line, they would be deaf. I mean, if they wanted to go any closer to God, they would lose their life for it. There is a physical wall that separated them uh, from God as well as, as well as a spiritual wall that separated them as well. Paul is saying, Jesus has broken down the wall. You and I are now welcome to come in and live together with him. I want to make a point if you notice that walls and boundaries create separation from others. Jesus has called us to tear down our walls, to live open and in peaceful fellowship with one another. God wants us to tear down what divides us and wants us to live together in community. You'll see in verse 15, he says, By abolishing the law of commands, commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man and in place of two, so making peace. You may also see, you've seen the word hostility. Uh, in some translations, that I was studying, you can see the word enmity here as well. And the definition of hostility and enmity is deep-rooted hate between two or more individuals or groups. And so Christ has come and has broken down this hate, this um, wall that separates us. And you can actually see the first time we see enmity is when we see it in the garden again. It all has originated from there. Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. 
you can see sin entered the world in the garden, and that's where hatred began. There was hatred between the devil and God, and then there was hatred between the devil and people, and therefore, when we are within sin, we are away from God, and so there's hatred between us and God. Satan is the father of all lies. He's the father of all sin, the father of all hatred that we experience today. Satan would love us to continue to live in this state, to be focused on darkness, to live in darkness. However, if you've ever been in darkness, there is no light and there is no peace. You cannot have peace without light. Therefore, without Christ, we can't have peace. Only peace comes from Jesus. And Paul's saying that Jesus has broken down this hate. I don't know... Um, even now, sometimes when our government puts up rules, it stirs us up. We get upset about it. And the law separated us from Christ. There was hate. We didn't want to follow the rules. We want to do what we want to do. But Christ has come and abolished these laws for us. And He has brought us back together. No longer are we against God. No longer are we at war with Him. But we are uh, at peace with Him. If you are saved, if you know Christ, we are free from sin and we have peace with God. And what wonderful news that is. We'll continue to look at verse 16. And this is our main topic this morning. And, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. As you can see, yet again, this is Paul's third time saying that God, that Christ has come to tear apart the hostility, the separation between us. And he is hammering down that we are to be unified. We are to be reconciled. We are to be brought back in harmony together. He wants us to resolve or settle. Now, that's what reconcile means. It means to be unified, to be in harmony together, to resolve or settle any conflicts. God has brought the Gentiles, you and I, into his family. This was his plan from the beginning of the, of the world. It was to bring us in with the Jews all together, so we will be restored. And I want to make a point here. Anytime there's reconciliation, there requires some type of change. We can't continue in our old ways. We have to go a new direction. We have to change. If we stay in our old ways, there will be no change, and therefore, we cannot have reconciliation together. I uh, found an example of this kind of in Peter. Um, we can see in Acts chapter 10, uh, he thought he was doing as he was commanded, being a proud Jew of of walking in one way, and we'll look at that this morning. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, give, gave alms generously to people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who had spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having relayed everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on the journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he came, became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending 
being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles, birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the things were taken up at once. And this continues on for the entire chapter of Acts. Um, so Peter sees this, and then after he's done seeing the vision, the men that Cornelius sent show up, and the Spirit tells Peter to go meet them. And they basically come in and tell Peter that our master has sent you, um, has sent a request for you to come back and talk to us. And so Peter and some men um, in here, they're called the circumcised. So again, just the distinction there. Follow him back, and they go back to Cornelius's. And they meet with him, and when Peter comes in and talks, he actually says, You know yourself how it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. So Peter knows and says, As a Jewish man, I'm not supposed to be around you guys. Um, but the Lord has called and said, I'm here. And so Peter, they want to know. They said, We want to know what God has put on your heart for us to say. So Peter starts talking, and then Peter realizes and um Verse 34 of chapter 10, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but He accepts every nation, the one, uh, the one who fears Him and does what is right. So Peter realized he, that Christ is for all. God loves all, those, especially those who do what's right in His sight and keep His commands, that Christ has come for every single person. Um, and this was a change for Peter. And then you actually see the, the men with him realize this as well, these circumcised men who are proud uh, Jewish people. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word, and the believers among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And um, just it was amazing for these Jewish men to see that God came to the unclean, those who were set apart, um, who had no desire. They couldn't believe this. This really shook up, I think, their faith and their belief, if you really think about it. Uh, it actually continues to the next chapter in Acts 11. I kept reading. Couldn't stop there. Um, that they go, and the word gets out to these Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. And when Peter gets to Jerusalem, they confront him and say, what are you doing eating with these unclean men? Why are you doing this? You know, God has called us to be set apart away from things that are unclean. And so Peter goes to explain what had happened to him. And he tells them about how God showed him that he has called all people. And I only can imagine how it grew Peter's faith so much stronger and how it caused him to worship God more. Not only did God reconcile the Jews, but also the Gentiles as well. And it even grew these religious leaders uh, in Jerusalem stronger as well in their faith, and it caused them to worship God. Acts eleven, eighteen, says, When they heard these things, they fell silent and glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. So, as you can see, anytime God shows up and causes life change, we should celebrate that. And we also know anytime that we ourselves see life change that God has called, it grows our faith deeper. It causes us to have a deeper um, reverence for God. Also, know that as Paul continues to talk for us to become one uh, as brothers and sisters, no matter our background, I think of my wife, Emily, and I. 
we were called to become one as a husband and wife um, and leave our, our ways that we grew up behind us and make new ways together. Uh, I'm from Georgia, and she is from Virginia, and we now live here in Tennessee. And uh, we love where we're from and how we're raised, but we had to reconcile some of those differences to be unified together. And uh, I thought of one the, that was not too big of a deal, but something that we had to work through to become one. And uh, it's summertime, so I don't know if you guys take vacation now. With COVID, it might be a little harder, but uh, we always used to take some type of vacation or road trip together. And my family, when we take road trips, probably under eight hours, we don't stop. We just get to our point. There's no time for breaks, no time for food. You get there, then you can rest and do all those things. Uh, however, my wife's family is completely different. They would stop 37 times for breaks and to stretch and count the stars and you name it, you know, they, they had to stop. Um, so the first few trips that Emily and I took, um, we had a couple talks in, in agreements. Um, she said I would starve her, and uh, I would tell her we'd stop at the next exit and say, oh, I forgot. Um, and I was afraid she would eventually just leave me on one of these vacations, so I figured it'd be best to reconcile. But no, now um, we did. We worked out an agreement with anything that's under uh, six hours. We'll stop once um, to go to the bathroom, and she takes snacks so we don't have to stop for food. Um, and so we figured out how to work together. Um, but I kind of make this point as this could be a potential uh, division between us if we didn't really work through that or one of us didn't put the other one before ourselves in the way we want it. And the Satan can play on these when we have our walls up and things that divide us. Satan wants to use that to push us apart and tear us apart. And so uh, we have to put those aside and come together. And brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to encourage you today that we try to identify in so many different groups, but we need to lose those groups and only identify together with Christ. We are all Christians together with one Christ and one God. And we need to remember this when we interact at work, when we interact on social media, when we interact with family members. We all need to remember we're called to be one. We're called to be His disciples. I also want to look at Jesus Himself because He is one of the the best example of how we can reconcile and how he um, doesn't look at these walls that tend to divide us. He walks right through those. Um, so let's look at John chapter 4 this morning, uh, starting in verse 6. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, weary as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well's deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of this water that will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
So this continues on. Jesus has this conversation uh, with this woman, and he asks her to call her husband, and she says, I don't have one. And he says, you're right. Uh, you've had many, and the one you're with right now isn't. And so then she kind of sees and knows that Jesus is not just an ordinary person. So then she says, oh, you must be a prophet. Well, I want to ask you, should we worship here or should we worship here? And you can kind of see that just the continual division between this is what we do, this is what you do, what do you, what do you suggest that we do? And then she kind of comes to find out that uh, he's the Messiah, the one they've been waiting on to come. Um, in verse 27, it's really interesting. It says, Just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking to a woman, but no one said, anything. said what do you seek or why are you talking with her? Um, and so I find this interesting as I looked at this text from Jesus is the Jews did nothing with Samaritans. They completely went the other way. I also think of in Luke when you look at the uh, Good Samaritan, how so many Jewish and Levites passed by um, this man who needed help, but it was a Samaritan. Um, and then also how she was just so surprised that Jesus would even talk to her, being a Jewish man that he was. Um, and the difference in divisions that they had put up between the, these two groups. She says, well, we worship here, you worship here, there's no dealing with it. And Jesus said he didn't care about any of that. He came with a mission. He came to show her the good news and to bring peace to her life. And so that was what he's modeling. And I find it funny that the disciples come back and they're in shock. Um, and this is early in Jesus' uh, ministry as he's going on. And he could have easily just went around Samaria. I don't think he had to go through it to get there. But I think he chose to go through it, one, to just encounter this woman and to bring change, but also to model to his disciples that he has compassion and love for all. And therefore, we as his disciples should have compassion and love for those around us as well. I have a couple more examples of Scripture this morning of being one and being united together as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Philippians 2, 2 through 5. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind amongst yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then Galatians 3, 6 through 9, and 26 through 29. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of, of faith and blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to his promise. So you and I are part of the family. Abraham had many sons, many sons that Father Abraham have. And you and I are one of those. And so are you. So as you can see that this just only 
builds our faith together, uh, knowing that Christ and God from before the earth has called us together, called us to be together through Abraham. He set us part of people. Fast forward now, here we are all together, even the Gentiles, even us, are called in to live together. We can have rock-solid faith this morning, knowing we are woven together through Christ as holy people. He has given us unity together as brothers and sisters for us to be a light and hope in this dark world. Also, just remembering this, as Christ has woven us together, anytime Jesus was here on earth, he always raised the bar for us. Jesus was set apart. He was not of the world, and he was of heaven. And as you read and just follow Jesus, you can see the differences that he modeled for us. And that, this morning, I feel like, is we are called to be set apart from this world. We're called to be a light. We're called to show more compassion, more love, and more peace than anyone else. If we are his people, we should be modeling this to the world. We should speak it boldly and loudly to those around us. We need to be willing to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Lastly, we'll look at these final two verses. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Jesus has given peace to all who are saved. We need to find our peace with one another, especially now in these times. We need to unify together. It's an important time for us to come together as believers as a church, to live and grow in faith together with each other. God's cre created community for each other, for us to grow and do life together with so much around us. He has given us a family to worship with. He's given us brothers and sisters to care for each other with deep compassion and love. And what a wonderful sight it is when we watch and see so many different people, people of different status uh, in the world, people of different color, people of different genders, all around come together and worship God through one spirit. How that just grows my faith and grows it stronger and just encourages me that even in times like this with COVID-19 and stuff that God has called this family and I can lean on my brothers and sisters in Christ. No matter what, you guys will love me and be there for me. And it's really encouraging and this is just only help as I've done this study grow me further and want to have our church stronger and united together to stand. Um, lastly, the beauty of Christianity is that there are Jews and Gentiles, black and white, yellow and red, high income and low income, men and women, and children. We are all equal because of the cross to bring us into relationship with God and with one another. God breaks down the walls that keep us out of relationship. I just feel like that's such a beautiful picture of what God uh, desires for us. And I want to read it one more time. The beauty of Christianity is there are neither there are either Jews or Gentiles, black and white, yellow and red, high income, low income, men and women and children. We are all equal because of the cross to bring us into relationship with God and with one another. God breaks down the walls that keep us out of relationship. So we've been studying this book of Ephesians, and I've read the entire book to kind of know the whole picture. In chapter 1, Paul talks to the Ephesians about God's plan from the beginning, talks about his glory and how before this is his plan for us, uh, his plan for the Gentiles to come and take us from dead 
to life, to justify us, to reconcile us. And it continues on, and we actually see plans for the church built. We have to have this down to be able to build our church. And I got to chapter 4, and I've read it every day um, for the past week and just let it soak in. But I want to read it this morning to close out. Ephesians 4, 1 through 7. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with all patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So I want to leave this with you guys today. Rock solid faith builds us up together. We are the church and grow as the church through this rock solid faith and the community that it provides us. Next week, Paul will continue to build upon this idea of unity and community and growing as a church as he will finish up the chapter of Ephesians 2. But this morning we've heard God's word spoken to us. So what is our response as believers? What are we to do? My question is, in what ways or what habits do you and I need to bring before the Lord and change this week? What does he need to expose to us that we need to repent of this morning? Also, who do we need to reconcile with? Who are we in a broken relationship with and need to bring back into harmony together as Christ modeled for us? Is it a coworker, maybe, or a friend? Is it a parent and a child? Is it husband and wife? Whoever that person is, only you and God know. But I encourage you this week to reach out and try to restore that relationship together and show the love of Christ. And we all have to remember that if we stay in our ways, if we're prideful and unwilling to change, we won't experience this reconciliation, this great joy that it is that when we are brought together in unity, when we are brought together with Christ, the joy that we have, if we refuse to change and just stay the same, we don't get to experience the benefits of that. And I'm thankful that we can do this together. As Ephesians chapter 4 says, we're the body together. And I want to invite Kyle up here as I get ready to pray, and he's going to lead us in one more song. But this week, what ways of Gentiles, the old habits, old ways of our old life, that we still cling on to, that you and I need to let go of today. I want to bring that before God this morning and see how we can't put on more of Jesus and put on less of us. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.